This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, the explosion in medicine of minimally invasive techniques for treating conditions that would have otherwise required open and more invasive surgical procedures has had a profound impact on the treatment and outcomes of stroke and other neurovascular conditions. Well, here to fill us in on the latest breakthroughs in this field is Dr. Graham Gould, professor of neurosurgery at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Gould. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So uh, you are a neurosurgeon, trained as a neurosurgeon. Give me a feeling for how your field has changed over the last few decades, given all of this emphasis on more minimally invasive techniques. Well, neurosurgery has changed in a lot of ways, I think representative across most of the fields of neurosurgery. Neurosurgeons practice um, typically around the brain and spine, and oftentimes the peripheral nerves. And with the way that we do procedures, uh, we're doing uh, more and more procedures through smaller incisions, or even without using incisions at all, uh, based on the best way we can help patients um, with the uh, best outcomes. Uh, so the there, have been, there have been a lot of changes. And this whole area of endovascular or cerebrovascular neurosurgery, what exactly is it? So for many, many years, uh, neurosurgeons have had to deal with the consequences of stroke. Uh, and stroke in a, a big picture involves both bleeding problems in the brain and a lack of blood flow to the brain. So both. You know, they're almost kind of on polar opposites, but they cause the same issue. Right. Uh, and that issue is injury to the brain or spinal cord um, and then, of course, injury to the patient. Uh, and neurosurgeons... Uh, traditionally have had uh, ways to deal with these problems with open surgery, um, opening the lining of the uh, human body to get into the nervous tissue, whether it's the brain or the spinal cord, uh, to fix the blood vessels um, that were uh, uh, diseased or injured, uh, and uh, to evacuate um, you know, blood clots if they're uh, taking up space in the brain uh, or in the spinal canal or spinal cord. Um, with the advent of Interventional radiology techniques. Um, we're finding uh, more ways to get to places that were hard to get to with surgery, and we can get to them very quickly, which it turns out is critical for treating a patient who might be having a stroke. So, when you talk about the interventional radiology techniques, is that the idea of basically using catheters to go in through vessels yeah. as opposed to having to make these large incisions and try to find your way through the body? Right. So um, just like a cardiologist can get to the heart through a catheter, uh, now we can get to the brain through a catheter. And uh, just like some of the diseases in the heart can be fixed with a catheter, so can some of the diseases in the brain. So you also work along with interventional radiologists who are trained to do this kind of thing. Correct. And the idea is you also need imaging to guide these catheters. Does that play a role? Yeah. So... Um, all of the catheters and wires, the ways that we access the, the blood vessels is uh, through x-ray or fluoroscopy guidance. Um, and the techniques were really developed by our colleagues in radiology years ago. Um, just like uh, uh, interventional cardiology, those same techniques developed by radiologists. Um, and then uh, as they became more and more potent uh, and successful ways to treat patients, um, you know, those of us that have been dealing with the disease in other ways, have taken an interest and do extra training to then 
you know, use those same techniques. That actually segues right into an interesting point. Now, you are trained, dual trained, in the sense that you have been trained as a neurosurgeon to do these open procedures where you actually do the larger incisions and go directly through the skull or what have you into the brain. Um, <clears throat> but you also are trained, as you mentioned, in these more minimally invasive techniques. Why is that important? Well, I think that's important because as a patient, you want to make sure that whatever treatment you're seeking is the safest. Um, and I think that what people don't necessarily understand is that sometimes, although it may seem counterintuitive, doing open surgery is actually a safer way to fix a brain problem rather than this minimally invasive through a catheter technique. Um, and so you always want to make sure for whatever disease you may be seeking treatment uh, that you are seeking the safest option regardless of what may be the newest um, or may seem like the least invasive. What we care most about is that the patients get better um, and that they can lead a normal life. So that the outcome really is, the, is obviously your target. Right. The outcome important. is our target, not the procedure. So what kinds of problems and conditions? You mentioned stroke. Give me a feeling or give our listeners a feeling for the kinds of diseases of the central nervous system that you might be treating through any of these techniques. Sure, of course. Uh, so most of, most of what we're talking about are blood vessel diseases in some form. And so blood vessel diseases, again, they can um, manifest as a brain aneurysm where uh, the blood vessel uh, wall becomes weak and can balloon outward and rupture. Um, there are blood vessel diseases where the blood vessels are formed in an abnormal way, um, probably since the time we were born, uh, that can also cause bleeding problems. There are blood vessel problems where the blood vessels can become blocked and blood flow to the brain needs to be restored. Um, and, and then even more unique kinds of blood vessel problems where abnormal connections develop um, between the arteries and veins, um, which can cause other kinds of problems. Um, and so all of these, what do all of these problems share is really that they're, they're diseases that are around the blood vessels themselves. And they can involve the blood vessels of the brain. They can involve the blood vessels of the spinal cord or spinal canal. And they can even involve some of the blood vessels closer to the heart um, that affect the way blood flows into the brain or spinal cord. Now, you earlier had alluded, or not only alluded, but very clearly stated that the issue is always what's safest for the patient. So give me a feeling for what the benefits of the minimally invasive techniques are, in some cases over the more open, and vice versa, just briefly. Sure. So there are some parts of the brain, uh, the blood supply and blood vessels of the brain, where uh, open surgery can be quite complicated because of the very, very small blood vessels um, that, you know, that are located nearby. And so, for example, there are some brain aneurysms um, for which uh, open surgery can cause great harm. Even a very successful uh, surgical procedure can still cause great harm to the patient. Um, where uh, treating through a catheter, working inside the blood vessel protects those smaller blood vessels um, and the patients can do very well. Um, the downside of treating through a catheter is that you uh, have to be, um, the anatomy of the blood vessel you're treating has to be uh, just right um, so that the catheter system will work. And if it's not, then it can be more complicated and more dangerous. Treating with open surgery, you can really work with uh, 
the anatomy of the blood vessel regardless of how it is. Um, and there are some locations that are perhaps closer to the surface of the skull, which are easier to treat with open surgery. Um, or sometimes the relationship of the blood vessels to an aneurysm, for example, uh, would be more dangerous treating through a catheter because if you end up compromising one of those other blood vessels, it's uh, difficult or impossible to undo through a catheter where it's quite easy to undo through surgery. If you're just joining us, you're listening to HealthLink on Air. I'm Linda Cohen along with neurosurgeon Dr. Graham Gould, and we're talking about endovascular neurosurgery. So obviously having the opportunity or the skill to do either of these approaches, as we said before, the target is the outcome, not so much the process. Um, what kinds of training are involved? I mean, tell us about yourself a little bit in terms of your training. Sure. Um, so... The training for, for all of us really is obviously medical school and residency training. Um, and in the world of neurosurgery, most residency training involves you know, six or seven, sometimes even eight years after medical school. Um, I did a seven-year residency training program um, at Yale New Haven Hospital after medical school. And then uh, after that point, um, you can go into neurosurgery practice or um, in my case, I wanted to do extra training so I could get uh, the opportunity to also practice with some of these interventional radiology-based techniques. And so I did another year of fellowship training in Philadelphia at the Jefferson Hospital for Neuroscience. And you're pretty new to our area. You've just been here a little bit of time. That's and, true. And, and now part of the, what's considered a comprehensive stroke team. Yeah. How does your role, uh, what, tell us a little bit about your role as part of this comprehensive stroke team. So a comprehensive stroke center really requires a lot of uh, different team players, um, and, and they're all quite critical. Uh, and I think that um, beyond the uh, strict definition and um, regulations that are necessary to achieve that status, uh, what it really means is that the whole institution um, has developed a system uh, for taking care of stroke patients and uh, optimizing their outcome. And so that means that um, from our partners in the emergency department, uh, our partners in uh, neurology and uh, the critical care units, uh, our partners in nursing that are with the patients all the time, um, that are often the first, uh, first folks to identify a patient that might be having a stroke, um, all the way uh, to rehab, uh, which is uh, we've learned so critical in making patients better um, after they suffered the event. One of us is always on call, both from neurosurgery and on the interventional side, um, and I'll take call for both. Uh, my role is to uh, evaluate patients on an emergency basis, um, evaluate the imaging, which is often you know, in the form of a CT scan, and then uh, some patients need to be taken directly to the operating room, for example, for open surgery. Uh, and some go directly to uh, the interventional radiology suite um, for uh, catheter-based procedures. Um, and some of the most common problems that I treat are large vessel ischemic stroke, so that one of the large blood vessels to the brain um, is blocked by a blood clot, typically. Um, and so by using catheters and wires and devices under uh, x-ray guidance, we can uh, retrieve blood clots and restore blood flow, um, sometimes so, using balloons and stents, just like in the heart. Um, and then on the operating room side, 
again, uh, sometimes either evacuating a blood clot from the brain, repairing a blood vessel directly, um, or uh, creating space for a swollen brain. So these are done under fairly emergent circumstances, though, right? Oftentimes time, they are. Yes. Time is really of, of the essence here. And this, this idea of giving through the catheter, some, these, this, um, these clot-busting drugs also play a role at times? Sometimes they do. Uh, in my experience, using those drugs is not as successful. I am uh, almost always successful at restoring blood flow using uh, devices to physically restore blood flow with... Uh, you know, retrievable stents, for example, or suction catheters. Um, using those drugs doesn't work as well, in my experience, but certainly we have lots of uh, tools at our disposal um, to fix the problem and make the patient better. Talking about tools, I also understand that you are somewhat of an inventor, and you've got some device that you're thinking about and potentially working on right now. In the very little bit of time we have left, tell me what that is. Right, so uh, I'm very interested in uh, developing uh, new technology to improve outcomes uh, in brain disease and spine disease. One of the uh, tools that I have worked with in the past is uh, taking the idea of cooling uh, brain tissue uh, to protect it against uh, a lack of blood flow or, or during surgery. Uh, even during seizures, it turns out is quite effective. Um, and I'm also working on other devices um, working inside of blood vessels, um, which uh, hopefully are ways that we can continue to advance medicine and make people better with shorter hospital stays, um, less pain, and faster recovery. Well, all sounds very exciting. I think the field is really growing beautifully, and um, only the patients have to benefit from all of this. And we want to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming in, Thank telling us about yourself and all of your very important work. My guest has been Dr. Graham Gould, professor of neurosurgery at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.